Black here with Felix the House Cat. How are you doing, man? Hey, bro, it is an honor for you guys to be interviewing me. I remember <laughs> I, when I was going to Columbia College, I would grab you guys' magazine and read it and be like, one day, hopefully, I could be in here. True story. He didn't even know I was going to say that. Yeah, wow. man. <laughs> you know, man, you... I mean, you knew I went to Columbia because I told you, but you didn't know I was, like, saying I want to be up in this piece. Yeah, man. I mean, you have a rich history with Chicago, you know. Kind of take us into that. Let's start there. Take us into your backstory with Chicago, coming up here, getting started here, all that kind of good stuff. Um, basically, when I was 14 years old, um... Well, basically, in 1984, because I said I was rude since 84, that was the year Purple Rain came out, Michael Jackson's Thriller, if I'm correct. The world changed musically, and uh, my dad was like, you know what, you're going to play saxophone and clarinet. So I took the clarinet, I went to band, did marching band, and Purple Rain came out, Prince, and there was this dude from Chicago was playing all these Prince songs, you know. Every time he played the Prince songs, all these girls would run up to him, you know. And I was like, damn, it's like that? So I threw my clarinet on the ground. I said, like, can you teach me how to play the beautiful ones? A lot of people don't know this story. He was like, yeah, I'll teach you. So I asked my mom to buy me a keyboard, and she bought me a four track, and they got me a drum machine. They all did this in 1985, 84. They bought me all this shit. And then I started making tracks, listening to Farley, Jack Master Funk, Mike Kitman, Wilson, the Hot Mix 5. You know, they were like my heroes, you know? Jamie Principal, uh, Marshall Jefferson, Ron Hardy. I would get to learn and know about this. So I made a tape, and I used to walk around high school as a freshman, and it was like, it went like this. Ha-ha-ha-ha-ha, house beat. Ha-ha-ha-ha-ha, house beat, right? Gave it to a guy who knew DJ Pierre. I was like, you, he was like, you know DJ Pierre? And I'm like, no. So he made that track, Acid Tracks. And back then, it wasn't... It, Acid, it just came out, and he was the man who created it, but it wasn't vinyl. He was he was famous from a cassette tape. You know, so Future, he did a track called Acid Tracks and Cocaine. And this, this motherfucker, this genius was, like, famous from making crazy, innovative shit with a 303 that they were the first people to invent and do this shit. So when he came, when he approached me in high school, this guy who knew DJ Pierre, so let me let let me give him your tape. So he gave Pierre the tape, and like I said, Pierre had had a record out. He just signed with Chicago Tracks. He's like, you want to make a record? And I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> and he was like, come on, we, we're gonna do this. So he liked the music I sent, and we went in the studio. We made the song called Fantasy Girl, which is the Chicago motherfucking house music girly girl anthem. It goes like this. Fantasy girl. You know the song? No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, but no, all jokes aside, it's called Fantasy Girl and it, it blew up. So I was a freshman, between being a freshman to a senior in high school, that was being played. So I was like signing girls' folders and shit and lockers and they were like, Can I be a fantasy girl? And That's I was a high so school shy. dream. I was so shy, man. I was like an introvert. I, I I didn't even know how to handle it. You know, I couldn't handle it. You know, so Pierre brought me in, and then after that, he came out with Acid Tracks, his group Future. He had two groups, Future and Fantasy Club. So I was in Fantasy Club, but my father was so strict. He's like, no, you can't go out and perform this shit. You're going to school. So 1985, 84, 86, that's when Felix Solings Jr. started producing house music. I went to college in uh, Alabama State. I flunked out. 
had to come back home. My dad was like, you know what, you're gonna get a job and you're going to school. And that's when I enrolled in Columbia College. This was 1990, 1991. I went to Columbia. And that's when I saw you guys magazine. Every time I would not go to class and I was playing pool. <laughs> in the South Loop. In the yeah. South Loop. Yeah. A lot of people don't know I went to Columbia. I went there like a year and a half. And I started making hip hop. And uh, I, I found out that DJ Pierre was working A&R on Strictly Rhythm, which was in New York. Can I get a copy of this interview? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> man. Absolutely. <laughs> so anyway, back to my story, because it's so vivid. This is the most vivid. This might be a part of my book one day. All right. So I went to Columbia. I flunked out of Alabama State. And I said, Pierre, you know what? I'm back. He said, what you got? Send me some music. So I sent him some music. And he's like, it sounds like shit. It's terrible. Times has changed. It's not 1985 anymore. He said, you need an MPC 60. I said, what's that? He said, it costs three grand. I said, I can't afford that. He was like, yo, you got to figure it out. So I took a pizza job at Eduardo's, making Eduardo's pizza. And in the meantime, I was going to Columbia. Well, I was going, playing pool. I wasn't even going to class. And I was, and I, I love Columbia because everyone was an artist, you know. But I never went to class. I went to class one time. I went to class. I was my, my main objective was communications and broadcasting. So the teacher, we sat down. He was like, okay, this is the bass. This is the treble. This is the mid. When you turn down the bass, you have no more bass. And I looked at him. I was like, I know this shit. I walked out of class. <laughs> you know, because the best, no disrespect, but the best way is hands-on. Fuck reading a manual. Just go in that shit, you know. So, like, while I was taking class, right, Pierre called me. He's like, look. We like two of your songs, so I, I eventually found a studio with an MPC 60, and I told the, I told the uh, owner of the studio, I said, look, if you could just help me with studio time, I promise I'll come back and help you, which I eventually did. So I made three songs, The Light, The Dawn, and What's Love About, and a, a song called uh, What You Want and Miss Blue. Gave two to Pierre, he gave me a check for $1,500. I spent the money up, moved into my parents' basement, with a studio, recording studio. Pierre was like, you want to go to London? I said, I can't. I got final exams at Columbia. I left during Columbia, the final exams. My parents didn't even know it. They paid $7,000 tuition. Columbia, I still have a bill there. <laughs> For seven grand. I'll come speak there if you could just waive that fee. I left. I took them songs with me, went to England. I sold the dawn. I sold a song called The Light and What's Love About. Came back home with 10 grand, and my life changed after that. That's when Felix the Housecat was born in London. And that's when they thought I was DJ Pierre. My life changed, and I, it was a Chicago-London connection, you know? And that's the rest, and, and here I am, you know? I mean, that's crazy, man. And, you know, we are here <laughs> at North Coast, obviously, uh, North Coast Day 2 and 2012. You know, and you just performed a little bit ago. How do you feel about your performance? Because it looks like it was awesome. You know what? i tell you something really, i tell you something. That's for you. Have a hit. i tell you something very deep for me, you know, like, to come back home and be accepted and people know you from here and to show you love. You know, that, that 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 shit makes me emotional, you know. When I came and played the Lollapalooza, that was like my first homecoming like to the masses. 
you know, it was a warm exception. But I think North Coast is a little bit more special because they're so grimy and underground, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No just to Lollapalooza. I love Lollapalooza, you know. It's all about selling tickets at the end of the day. I'm going to keep it real. But North Coast is like for the cats who can't pay a million dollars a ticket, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they show up with love. It's like hippie love. This shit is like the Woodstock of Chicago. You know what I'm saying? It's a little freakier. It's freaky. It's a freaky motherfucking yeah. story. You know, so it, it, it was a big deal for me, you know. And I didn't even realize. I was like, wow, all these people are here to support me. That's that's beautiful. So, I mean, it was it was, it was was beautiful. It was, it was emotional. You know, as someone who has been in this industry, who's been an artist as long as you have, how does it feel to see, you know, whatever you want to call it, EDM, the electronic music scene, how does it feel to see it so mainstream and so legitimized at this point in time versus what it used to be, you know, coming up? You know what? You have the gift and you have the curse. The gift is the underground the real music, like, the roots of it, you know, never forgetting where you come from, and I always keep that in my heart, you know, and at the end of the day, I play music that I like, and I want to educate as far as the people, but I, at the same time, I try to educate them where I came from and what's going on overseas, you know, so I try to, like, be a teacher, but at the same time, educate them and, and, and just keep it politically correct. On the flip side, you got these motherfuckers coming, playing the most cheesiest commercial music, calling this shit house and electronic music, which it just destroys my soul and heart. Because at the end of the day, most of these motherfuckers just want to get paid. They don't give a fuck about you. And I'm going to keep it real. They want to be they want to be vain, they want to be narcissists, and they want to be famous. And it's obvious. You know, it's so obvious. When they're putting water in a champagne bottle, you know, when they're like raising their hands up in the air like they're Jesus Christ to the most commercialist shittiest music, this is this is a problem. You know what I'm saying? You know, I could be a gazillionaire yeah. if I did this shit. But I have my integrity. You know, I keep my integrity and I can sleep at night. Like I'm happy being Felix. Just being myself. I don't I, I, I could get on the stage and people know what the fuck they expect. They know like I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it real, you know what I'm saying? I might drop some shit here and there that I like because I like I like look, I'm not like I'm not like this guy that's like, oh I hate you know, commercial music. I like good music, you know. You know, so at the end of the day, it's the gift and the curse. The cool thing is electronic has gone to a broader audience. But now, the beautiful thing about it is the people are getting so frustrated with cheesy music. They don't even want to be caught dead at these big festivals anymore. They're like, you know what, now... I don't want to be that that cat listening to this bullshit. I want to see where this shit came from. I want to go to the underground, you know? So at the end of the day, I'm still in my lane, you know what I'm saying? And I ain't going nowhere 25 years in the game. I'm still here doing what I love doing, you know? So, I mean, it's crazy. You have been doing this, you know, you've got such a history, you know, and how dramatically different like what are some of the differences you see and how it is now in the music industry and in the electronic music scene versus when you were coming up when I was coming up it was innocent it was pure it was virgin you know it was it was so beautiful right and don't remember it's still beautiful but now you got some of these cats 
who want to admit it's okay to go mainstream, you know. You can't help it if you make a good record and it crosses over, you know. And you notice I'm not saying any names because half of these people are my friends. And I love them, you know. And I don't hate on nobody. You know, at the end of the day, I'm happy that electronic is, like, mainstream and big. But there's a limit. Like, if you go drink fake, like, if you're going to make it like you're an actor, you're a fake motherfucker. Just keep it real. You know what I'm saying? Know your roots, keep it real. It's so obvious when people are doing it for the money. Some of these people who DJ, the people don't even know who they are, never seen them. Yeah. They just show up, they don't even know their history, it's crazy. But what I love about Chicago, Chicago is so educated, man. You have so many different boroughs and, and, and subcultures, they're so educated. You can't get away with that shit here. It's like, it's like, London, London's the same. You're like, if you if, if you don't make it in Chicago and London, you can't make or New York, you don't make it nowhere. Yeah. Chicago don't play that shit. They know real shit for fake shit. And and we're in a society where the 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 uh, the fan is the new critic. Yeah. The public and the fan is the new critic. So your shit is gonna be blogged and Twitter and Facebook everywhere. If your shit whack you go hear it. <laughs> if you're a commercial cheese ass motherfucker, <laughs> yeah, you gonna know about it. People will call you out, you know. No way, yeah, they gonna call you out, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just happy being myself, you know. I'm, I'm not gonna hate on it, you know. It's one of them things. I tell you about America, and this is real, being real. America didn't give a fuck about Felix the House Cat. So I had to go to England. I had to go to London. London and Chicago gave a fuck about me. America didn't give a fuck, right? So when I got popular in England, then all of a sudden America jumped on the bandwagon, right? Chicago always had my back. New York didn't have my back until London had my back, right? So for those who are coming up, this is how it is. If America got your back for, before you got to pay your dues and they're embracing you, they will chew you up and spit you out like that. So you do your cheesy shit, it's only so much cheese they can eat. They will spit you out and you are over. They will build you. They will break you down. Peace out. You know, man, I mean, <laughs> and that's real. That's real. Yeah. America would do that. I got my break in Chicago and London. You know, New York turned their back on me. You know, so Chicago embraced me. I went to London, where Felix the House Guy was born. I walked to Gramophone Records. They said, what's your name? I said, Felix the House Guy. They was like, man, I thought you was white from Britain. <laughs> Yo, I took that as a compliment, you know? So it was like, that was a compliment, you know? So America eventually embraced me. You know, like Rolling Stone, Entertainment, all, all these yeah. magazines went away mainstream. But eventually, after they embraced me, they were on to the next shit. And then they started labeling me, you know, and I was like, fuck you. I go back to Europe, do my shit, you know. So, I love the. I'm from Chicago. I love America. This is where I'm from. I'm just keeping it real. It's just like, back in the day, America was seven years late. Yeah. Well, I think they now, still now, are. Well, with the with the social media shit, they're two years late. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, because everyone's you know? just finding out about dubstep here. And they think uh, dubstep please, started please with... Please call it like you said. Please don't edit my words. No, no, no. Oh, yeah, like, don't edit yeah. out like... No, no, no. I love my home. I'm proud that America supports me now. But it wasn't easy, you know, like it was a point they turned it back on me and I had to go overseas. Yeah. And I had I had to survive. And not to say you make music to survive or make money, but it was a point in my life I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do because I didn't know if I wanted to make house, I didn't mean want to make hip hop, but electronica embraced me. You know, and I was like, this is where it's at. They love me like this. This is what I'm going to do, you know? Yeah, man. Well, you know, what do you attribute your longevity to? Because you have been able to do this for so long, and you're, you're right. I mean, America chews up its entertainers. It entertain, you know, it, it kind of placates them, you know, humors them for like four I, weeks. I tell you, I tell you some really true shit. Rolling Stone magazine. I buy this magazine every week. Some of the shit I read, I love. Some of the shit I read in Rolling Stone, I, I want to throw up on a plane as I'm boarding the plane and I buy this shit to read. Jersey Shore. I love Rolling Stone. At the end of the day, they got to sell magazines. They got to appeal to their young crowd. Rolling Stone was hard on my dick when the electro shit hit. Right? Once that shit died down, they was all about the indie rock and they started hating on electronic. Dissing every electronic, every review that came in Rolling Stone, they was dissing it. Treating it like the evil stepchild. Like, oh my God, like pissing on it. Giving electric, Rolling Stone was giving electronic music straight up golden showers. And I want you to print that. Like they were like dissing it. And I'm like, wow, what is going on? You guys were like loving me? And, and all of a sudden, now, oh, this is my sister. Come here, I tell you. I'm just saying, how Rolling Stone magazine loved me, and then all of a sudden they need to start pissing on electronic okay, music. Okay. Hold on, I'm, but look, no, but I, but, I'm, I'm, come on, let me finish. Oh, it, I'm speaking it. Rolling Stone ain't gonna put me back in a magazine, so what the fuck? <laughs> look, Rolling Stone showed me love, right? They, after that, they dissed electronic. Treated like the evil stuff style. I'm gonna keep it real. Dissed it, dissed it, dissed it. All on the indie rock shit, which I love. All on the rock and roll shit, which I love. But it was like the evil stepchild. I was getting so frustrated. Now all of a sudden, here come Deadmau, here come Skrillex, here come yeah. David Guetta. Oh, we love you now, motherfuckers. We love you now. No, you don't love us. You gotta sell them magazines. Period. End of story. And, you, and I just want people to know that, you know, because these critics have control over the media. So if you go say fuck you, motherfucker Felix the house cat, your shit is garbage. But you never said that. We keep it real. I'm just saying. But people listen to that, you know, so don't be off the bandwagon being on it. Don't be a switch hitter. You either left or right. Come on now. You either batting 500 or you batting 200, you know? Well, you know. You know, and, 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 and I'm only using them as example. You know, so, like I said, the blogosphere is the truth now. People yeah. are seeing it, and they're putting it out there. Well, what is Felix the Housecats set up? You know, like, what's your artistic life like in 2012? What do you have going on these days? Because, you know, you've never gone away. You've always been working on things. Did I? I never what? Sorry, I was just saying you've never gone away. You've always been working on things. You've always had things happening. So what are you up to right now? What's going on with you right now? I've been dealing with, like, my personal life, trying to be a father to my daughter <laughs> and my kids. So I took, like, three years off to deal with some personal stuff. 
And uh, I'm going to New York next week to work on three albums, an Afrohead album, a new Felix the Housecat record, and a, uh, a new project, I'm, a name I came out with. You're like the first I told, called Kit, K.I.T.T, which is like Kit from Knight Rider, Crazy Into the V. So that's like my new alias. So I got like three or four albums dropping. I got five singles dropping at once by the end of this year. So for those who slept, I'm back. <laughs> Lots going on, man. Well, it's great to Not see you. Not really. I mean, it's, you know, like, I just walked away. I'm sorry. I'm talking no, too much. No, it's fine, man. <laughs> I walked away because I had responsibilities. And when you become a daddy and you travel in the world in seven seas and everybody's looking for something. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. Absolutely. You got to step away, man. And, and I'm, I'll be back in this year and next year. Well, man, it was great to see you back here in Chicago, you know, Thank performing you, at North Coast, man. Very cool. Thank you so much for taking the time. Make sure. Don't edit out the controversial. Keep no. it real. No, man, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, brother.